So we got this new venue today. What venue? This this room we're in. We've done this before. Once, yeah. You like the echo in here? Ah, no, not really. It's I know the like, listeners like it. It's kind of like you could do a concert in here. Concert Almost like you didn't go to. That yeah. you didn't invite me to. I know. You have to talk to Kristen. For those of you who follow the podcast, we typically post on Fridays and record on Thursdays, but somebody got invited to a Paul McCartney concert for tomorrow night and didn't invite a certain someone who's also in this room. Uh, He'll have to talk to someone else. He knows that I, Kristen, my girlfriend has to take priority. Uh, I don't believe in priorities, but weekly download. You know, I was going to get a tattoo and I was going to pay for your tattoo, but I don't think you're going to be a blood brother anymore. I mean, I'll take you if I get a weekly download tattoo out of it. It would be a pretty sweet tattoo. It would. This is weekly download episode number seven. Uh, this show could, temp- you know, potentially, possibly, could be sponsored by you. If you'd like to sponsor a show, visit our website, www.weeklydownload.com, and click on the sponsorships link where we provide all the wonderful information and details. For those of you who may or may not actually visit the website we typically have a lot of link list items and those link list items could include your item and we'd love to talk about your product so let us know contact at weeklydownload.com is our email and we're on twitter as well weekly d so yeah today's top download is facebook and in specific facebook spending of money recently We've been talking about companies and how they're going to spend their money, and we're starting to see companies spend their money. Facebook bought, at first I thought it was that candy, that push pop that you used to eat when you were a child, but no, it's a it's a publishing company, specifically iPad Interactions. So this company, and then you've got another acquisition, a company called Sofa, which basically does design work. They've done design for Mozilla. They've done design for TomTom and a few other top priority companies out there. So two acquisitions, seemingly back-to-back, and you start to wonder if uh, Facebook's getting a little nervous. Facebook needs to do a refresh. Facebook is looking antiquated. I mean, I don't know. I go on Facebook, and I'm pretty comfortable with some of the design work. These two companies in specific seem to do a lot of work with icons and images and stuff, but in terms of the actual design of the page... Will these companies help? See, I don't think much is going to change from there. I think we'll see little differences. I think we'll maybe see some tweaks in, in the way buttons and radio buttons, like you were saying, work. I'm really interested to see with Pushbop especially. I've been reading a lot about how they, they acquired them for interactive stories and to be able to really get, get people to share stories a little bit better and a little bit more thoroughly. So I'm kind of curious to see what that ends up looking like. And I've seen a few articles that even say that maybe they bought them for future uh, ability to to rival the iBookstore and Google Books and things like that, which makes some sense. Well, I don't know. Why do you think that way? Why do you think that's... Well, the article I read earlier brought up a good point. They've got a huge user base. It's sort of like Google users with Google Plus and Google Wave when they, or in Google Plus when it was around. You've got a huge base already, so all those people could just stay right on Facebook to buy their books. Yeah, but why would you want to buy books from your social networking service? I mean, people want convenience. But it's, it's what, right there. I mean, Why would people wanna... also think in apps. So on the one hand, conveniently, Google is your portal to everything. But on the other hand, Apple and other companies who have app stores have found that people go to apps rather than search. So why would you want everything in one place like Facebook may be trying to do with a bookstore? 
and instead maybe they could open Facebook's and make an app that's a spin-off from Facebook. I mean, maybe we could see something like that. Now that seems more likely to me, especially if they're trying to expand their services and do something a little different. It doesn't seem like they could bake it into their service, but it seems more likely they'll do some small design lifts, but add a new app in Facebook. Because apps are where it's at. Apps are developable, developable, and they are mobile. They're pretty distributable. Right, and it could be a combo of the two. Like thinking really visionary or different. I was thinking about ways they could do this. It could be where people are able to make their own content and their Facebooks, so to speak, and then people are the ones generating these books that are sold, like short story kind of things or things like that. So is, it, is the burden going to be on the person then to create story-like kind of updates or like chapter-like updates? That's, I mean, that's, I think it'd be kind of cool. I, I, I see it maybe going that way or I, I don't know. It's only time will tell. And I think that it's too difficult to, to read on this one because it's, it's such a weird acquisition to me. Well, I mean, there are some acquisitions that seem out there that people are, they're just getting the people on the patents. Right. But I don't know, think that's so, the case. Looks like you got an email. Yeah. Happens happens every time. So you're just a popular dude. What can I say? This is only podcast number seven. By 15, I'll be better. By 15? Yeah. Mark well, my words. Well, you're definitely not getting your tattoo until 15. I, I, I'm not completely sold as to what specifically they could be doing, but I think it's always good to increase your staff and it's always good to think differently and expand your services in some way. Facebook eventually is going to have to start making some moves when you think about when you think about what Google Plus is doing and how they've gotten 25 million users now. You know, it just seems like that is something that should be kind of scaring Facebook in a way. It should be something that they should, you know, kind of look at and go, well, why is Google Plus so madly successful? On the one hand, it could simply be that they have, they've kind of piggybacked off of the Facebook success and the Twitter success and MySpace and Friendster before it. But on the other hand, there may be something that's really interesting with the design work that I think Facebook's going to have to start thinking about. I mean, maybe this acquisition finally fixes their clunky circles equivalent lists. Right. It, I mean, it, there are so many directions this push, like this acquisition could go. Well, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens there. But at the end of the day, Facebook to me has always been the premier social network, and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. But like all websites, I guess they're due for a design refresh number. 20, I right, guess and maybe, maybe more of an overhaul than we've seen. Like, we're seeing little tweaks that just make everyone angry. Maybe maybe we're looking for something a little bit bigger this time. I mean, Zuckerberg did say that he's going to have a huge rollout these next few months, but I don't know if we'll see the fruits of the push-pop application until... It's probably going to be a little longer than that, I think. Yeah, maybe yeah. next year. Yeah. But we'll keep watching that, and we'll yeah. let you know. So, so, an important topic that uh, we've posted three articles about this week. <laughs> Robots. Robots are taking over. It's true. I took a class last semester, uh, an informatics topics class. We talked about robots almost every day. So, the thing about robots is that I saw them in three different instances this week. And I don't know why it happened to be this week. I see robot stories all the time. I see, like, future, uh, future design, future... 
future supply chain, value chain stuff being done by robots. So this is nothing new, but just this week made me want to talk about it because it's it's becoming more relevant that things are becoming more automated, you know, with the fact that our job market's not so great and people want to come up with innovative ways, innovative design processes like Apple has done with their unibody notebooks and process. I mean, that is mostly machine-based. It's right. not done right. by humans. So... One of the stories was Foxconn, or the Chinese Han Hai, is going to replace most of their workers with robots. And this is a company that, for anyone who doesn't know what Foxconn does or didn't read that article, I mean, they make most of Apple's supplies, they make a lot of HP stuff, Dell stuff, huge, they're huge supplier. And they're huge in China, and uh, it's, it's no surprise to me that they're trying to use this as an expansion tool. And I think it's a great move, considering that today's devices are so precisely built, so mechanically inclined that a human just couldn't pull off some of the things that, you know, we're talking 20 nanometer processes in this day and age. I mean, back then that was unheard of. Right. So I mean, it, only a machine could have that position. But, um, you know. I think from an economic standpoint, though, it's like you said, I mean, yeah, it's going to help these companies out a lot, but I think we're, where are we going to shift all of these workers to? Like, Foxconn employs a ton of people, and they're trying to like replace a huge amount of their staff with, well, with robots. So where are we going to send, send those people? Yeah, well, one of the reasons they did this was to avoid the suicide rate to knock that down, supposedly. Right. Which, which will help. I mean, I mean robots aren't going to, yeah. They don't feel. So. Exactly. I, I, I've always made the argument, and I mean, we'll see with a huge company like this, that there's always room for computers and robots to fail. So you always have to have someone there. Well, there's always room for human error, too. Right. But, I mean, you have to have someone overseeing the robots and sort of being the, the control for the robots to some extent. Right. So hopefully we'll see some shifting there in, in jobs. The other robot story was uh, the first ever marriage ceremony was conducted by a robot. Right. Pretty crazy. I, uh, would not get a, I would not necessarily agree with that marriage style. but uh, yeah, the Reverend Bit, he's... Yeah. Mazel tov. To the couple who got married with that and uh, I guess good luck to them and then you've got robots being waiters so I mean I sort of saw that coming but it's another one of those things where you, you just worry about the service industry like the, the food industry is one place I, I really would have never thought that we would start to lose jobs to, to machines. But when I start thought about it, I'm like, well, actually, this probably speeds the process up a lot. Well, there has to be a lot of R&D development, R&D, and there has to be a lot of uh, machine building and stuff, and that's done by humans. So humans will still be useful, but if we keep moving in this trend, you know, creating jobs won't necessarily be that huge of a deal. But we'll have to think of a new way to measure unemployment in this right. in America because unemployment simply means you know you don't have a full-time job you're not working 40 hours a week or you're not working part-time so you know what happens when robots take up 20% of our jobs within the next 10 years for example I mean that's not unheard but no, of no I, I certainly think it's going that way so you know you ought to say well if it's a if it's this industry then the unemployment rate is weighted in some way but if it's another one you got to think in a different way but you know, there's a lot of questions. Uh, I've read a lot about this um, robot and this robot paradigm shift, and 
there's another thing you could talk about, and that's ethics. You could talk about rights. You could there's all sorts of things like right. You know, yeah. could a should a robot have the right to quit? Should they should they when they quit, are they supposed to be disposed of in some specific way? Or are we going to start thinking task that way? Or, yeah. It sounds really silly right now because most of the robots out there are just mechanical arms. But but I think to some people they become more than mechanical arms, and we start to see them as hu- uh, humans. Or well, especially when we add that human element, exactly, it definitely becomes a little bit more complicated. So we uh, we have a. I know you're an HCI student, or going to be an HCI student. So maybe you've seen Para, the informatics. Uh, robot that we have. Well, and I've seen plenty of uh, robots in the cognitive science department here at IU, so... We've talked about the fact that we, we brought it out for a, a, a camp once, two summers ago, and kids got really attached to it and thought it was a real animal and really treated it like an animal. And when we really? just shut it off, they didn't understand what was, like, how that was working. So I think that's something that we have to worry about and look at a little bit more. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, so web browsers... I thought your article was relatively entertaining and a little bit flawed. Well, okay. The, the, here's the story. Web browsers and IQ. Apparently, a study came out by a certain company. Let's look this up. What company was this? So, a particular company known as AptiQuaint, a consulting company based out of Vancouver in Canada. So you automatically have to be sketchy. Uh-huh. Exactly. So, they said that there is a correlation between the IQ of a person and the browser that they use. So their findings, supposed findings, were that IE version 6, 7, 9, and then 8 are the lowest versions of IE that have the lowest IQ. And then you've got Firefox, Chrome, and Safari. And here was a curious one, IE with Chrome frame. I have no idea what that meant. I'm well, sure. it might be where you can run the IE inside of Chrome because I actually have that application because I've got certain things that I can only run in IE. So I have a Chrome, I have a one of the like plugins in Chrome that allows me to run Internet Explorer within Chrome. I mean, they never really talked about what that was. I'm sure there must be something else to do with that. But then you've got Camino, which is I used to use this browser a lot actually. No, I like, listen to this guy. I, listen I, to this guy. I like Camino. I think it was a pretty good one. It, it was very lightweight. It was as lightweight as Chrome is. And uh, Safari is today, if you don't have any extensions. It's a WebKit-based browser. It did a, it was a pretty good, you know, I, I enjoy it. But um, ultimately, I moved away to Chrome because of the apps integration and what. Right. And then Opera, which is super surprising to me. Because uh, I hate Opera. I can't stand it. Especially, I've tried it so many times. Well, I just think it's become really clunky. Exactly. I, mean, I remember when, like about a month or two ago, Opera made this huge campaign that they were going to change everything. So, you know, I waited, you know, with my thumbs, you know, twiddling, and nope, it just ended up being a Firefox kind of bloated piece of yeah, software. I mean, I got excited for the, the Opera apps for iOS. Yeah. And I thought, wow, a real, like, viable option other than Safari. And I was like, no, I mean, the Twitter browser runs better than... So anyway, this, this story comes out. And it blasts the internet. We're talking CNET, you know, all the big, big... Yeah, all the tech. Big yeah. tech. And even Google News was on it. Reuters was on it. I saw some stories about that. Some people were skeptical off the, you know, and props to them. Because as it ended up being, the story was fake. So... I mean, the, go figure. The, BB, the BBC posted a story literally the next day. 
Oh, by the way, I found this from NPR. So it just goes to show you how many people picked this up. This is why I don't read NPR. But the BBC contacted Central Tests, which is supposedly some of the people who manage that website. And they said they had been aware of this copy of this sort of research, but they had no knowledge of AptiCoin, nor did they know what activities they had. Now, somebody tweeted a very good point, and that is if you're going to do an IQ test on the Internet, it kind of already shows what kind of IQ you have. I mean, most of those IQ tests are not very legit. So, you know, they didn't really talk about their methods that much in the paper because it wasn't even much of a research paper. It was more just like pop science. So off the bat, you have to be a little skeptical. But, you know, is is it unreasonable to think that people who don't care about web browsing standards who may use older computers with older Internet Explorer devices, they may very well have a little bit less intelligent quotient than most people. See, I don't know that I buy it. I think there are a lot of professors, even at our university that we go to, that probably don't care what they're using. They just want to be able to get their research. And I mean, some of those people I bet you could find are still running IE6. So intelligence quotient is an interesting like metric for intelligence because basically, according to the intelligent quotient standards, if you have an intelligent quotient of 100, you're supposed to divide that number by 10, and that is your mental age. So if you have an intelligence quotient of 100, your 10. mental age is 10. Yeah. 130, you're 13, but at 10. So supposedly, if you were a 10-year-old and you got a 130, you would be the mind of a 13-year-old. So it's supposed to basically tell you that your mental age is a little farther ahead than your normal age. It's a proportion. So... You know, if, you, if I were to score, for example, 130 or whatever, it only means that I'm intelligent by three years or so ahead of the actual me, whatever right. that is, it, you know. So I don't think that, first of all, it's the greatest measure of intelligence out there anyway. And then you've got a, a story that basically conflates browser standards with intelligence. So, of yeah. course, there's something to be a little skeptical about. But I'm not necessarily dismissing the concept of being slightly, <laughs> slightly... Yeah, I still don't think I buy it. Well, anyway, what I did say, though, in the story is, is that if IE were to go away, just completely die the next right. day and just be stopped being supported and just crashed all the time, people would flock to a different browser. Oh, definitely. And the first browser that people would flock to is probably Firefox, if you believe in the logic that this thing applies. You know, Firefox, more adapted more people on it. So it will weigh the average down of Firefox, then you'll see even more dramatic or not as dramatic results. And I mean, I think that's the only reason an Explorer probably ranks so low. Somebody has to rank low. Exactly. And I mean, when you have 70, 60 or 70% of the user base still, you're going to get the lower end of the spectrum and the higher end of the spectrum. It's just the way it works. Right. All right. So we wanted to talk a little bit about the idea that the internet and search are making us more dumb. Well, because when, well, when I looked at the story, it kind of reminded me of a story that happened about a month ago. I think we did. You read about this? That there was research out there that apparently searching with Google is supposed to decrease your intelligence. I mean, I've heard this argument before. I basically the argument goes: well, you search everything on Google, so you have no semantic memory in your head, no factual memory in your head. Right. So the only sort of memory that you do have is procedural memory. So you know how to, to do get it, to it, but you don't, but you don't know the it. actual yeah, you don't know the actual information. 
Now, whenever I search for things on Google, and the first hit, by the way, is I'm almost always Wikipedia. So if I want to know about the list of acquisitions on Facebook, I looked that up today. It's got to have at least like 20 acquisitions on there. So I'm going to be able to go, yeah, here's the list. And you're, they're, they're probably right. I'm not going to start looking into it and specifically analyzing the companies, coming up with ROI and for these companies right. because that's not what I'm there for. What I'm there for is just to grab some information and go. We are moving in a quicker direction with mobile phones, especially in search being there. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if I'm going to search for something, I'm not going to care to learn about it. In fact, that's my first place to go if I want to learn. Exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to sit down. And I think that's the great thing about search. I can grab something that I need and come back to it later. And later that night, be it a week from then, I normally do go back to it. If I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. And I do retain that information. So especially with, especially with sort of facts that you need to know later on, like at work, for example, we use our own knowledge base. Right? right, And that knowledge base is you have to search it. You can't just go through it like a book. And even if you go through it a bo- like a book, every book has an index. And most people use that index. And you still have to search. I, f- I feel like in those cases, it's, it's the exact same thing, except you're doing it a minute or two faster, which saves a lot of time over the course of the day. So, I, I, again, I mean, I understand where the arguments stand. I understand where the argument's coming from. And... I used to think the same way. Like I thought, well, this is, you know, I'm losing so much by just looking this up on the internet. I need to go to a book or I need to go read more. And then I thought, no, because I almost always go back or I end up being more exposed to it in the long run anyway because I search it way more and I see right. it way more and I'm exposed to it way more. Exactly. The more you search, the, the more, more you know. know. <laughs> the more you know. So don't buy that argument. Thanks for playing anyway. Another story we got is Bing. So do you use Bing, by the way? Ah, uh, no. I mean, they have a beautiful iPad app. I've used it a couple times. Like, it's really pretty. But, but useful? I, no, it's not useful at all. You don't think so? Do you use Bing? Well, I mean, I've used Bing for a couple occasions, especially finding flights. I found it particularly useful for really? that. It's pretty lightweight. It's very nice. But, uh, yeah, I don't really go there in general. I mean, Google's still going to be my go-to. Right. Yeah. It's my, the same way. My go-to searching app. So, but you got Bing, which they've invested you know, a little bit more money in. And it's doubled their share in the U.S. market from 7.2 to 14.4, which is That's considerable. a decent number, yeah. And if you add Yahoo's Bing portal, which is it's now 27%. So it's a decent question that was asked in the article, which was asked in a Wired article, why are people trying to give up on Bing in Microsoft? And why are people saying they should give up on I, I really, I just don't see why they want to give up on it in the sense that it's growing. It, it, it's seeing people like you said it was light. You've enjoyed using it for certain aspects. I, I think that people assume that Google is here and it's going to stay and they just don't want to change. They don't want to change anything. A couple of people have commented. So you've got MG Siegler. Bing needs its halo. Microsoft spends a lot of money. To change his wording a little bit. Mostly on marketing it. But I don't know a single person who uses it. That includes people who work in Microsoft. You buy that? I don't buy that. I almost do, as funny as that sounds. Like I don't buy that. It's such at all. an easy 
If you're on a Windows phone, you're automatically you're automatically Bing. searching Bing unless you change. But you've never seen that. There was an article I saw months ago about how there were lots of people within Microsoft's own company that continue to use iPhones and they have to hide it at work or they use Android devices. Which I found a little entertaining to begin But you know, with. Google's not doing that. Google's saying, go ahead and get a MacBook. Go ahead and get an iPhone. Right. We're cool with that. But it's Google. They're a little different, I think, than the culture of Microsoft. Well, there's definitely different cultures all over the country. But another, it's a good point in this article, though, that mobile is the thing. So when you've got Google, Google's figured out how to advertise. With, yeah, with the, Bing is basically copied off of what Google's kind of done with advertising. So, yeah, their search base has increased, but is it making a, a considerable amount more money to continue going with it? You know, they're going to have to start baking ads or making some sort of profit model. Out of right. It. I mean, and I think that if, if they continue to grab that market share, surely that some people are going to advertise with them. When you think about Bing, do you think people don't use Bing because of the Microsoft name? Is the Microsoft name tainted today? Mm, I, see, I don't think so. I think there are so many people who still love Windows. There's still people who have to use it because they like PCs. Exactly. They, don't, they can't afford uh, The Mac, it has a Mac text. They are a little bit more expensive. They're getting right. a little cheaper, but at the end of the day... I think, though, there are still people who genuinely like the PC. But I think it's exactly what I've said from the beginning of our discussion here. The Google name is just... I mean, Google became a verb, for heaven's sake. Like, and it's... A verb, like that's how ingrained in our culture Google is. Right. It's, you don't see that with Microsoft. No. I don't say I'm gonna Windows, I'm gonna do something Windows. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Huh. I mean, I, I think that I would be curious to see if I could find the numbers on I'm sure you saw on iOS where there's now the ability to Bing search or to Google search, like where you can change the Right. Right. And right. I, I I'd be curious to know how many people use I Bing. Think I saw so, those numbers once. because uh, I, I would assume they're pretty low. But we're sort of trying to hunt that out. I just... I mean, my initial guess has got to be... It's got to be Google. Right. I mean, I'm Google sure is Google default Google for one thing. By a fair amount. I would just be curious to see how many people actually use Bing or switch it over to Bing. But, I mean, it's not huge right now. But I'm, I'm guessing... I would guess less than 10% of people use the Bing search engine on there. Well, I can't find it immediately, but I'm definitely going to look that up, and I'll post a link if I do end up finding that. And if anybody knows the answer, feel free to tweet us at WeeklyD or email us, contact at weeklydownload.com. I want to talk about one more thing that... Mr. Jobs. Well, yeah, just one more thing for you. So there's been a lot of talk about, again, here we go again with... TV and oh, Apple. Yes. So recently, Apple augmented their Apple TV agreement services, what have you, to include the re-downloading of TV shows, and you can buy TV shows right, right from, from Apple TV. Right. Now, you use Apple TV. Yeah, right? I love my Apple TV. So now you have the ability to... It's your content. And I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that this would be the right thing to do. I think it's a, yeah, it's a really wise move. So you've got your content, you bought the show, right. and it's your show, and it's on your Apple device. So just like if you go to a, a CD store and you buy a CD, that CD is yours, and you can put it on whatever, whatever devices you want. And you can give it away. You can't sell it and make a profit, but you can give it. Now, I don't know if iTunes is going to go in that direction, if you continue the metaphor. But 
The point is, is that if you see this sort of a, you know, direction, then you would see movies. You would see all your other content, the books everything, you buy, yeah. basically everything. So iCloud would actually be fleshed out to be a what it was supposed to be. Yeah. It was actually meant to be, well, it's interesting because on the one hand, a storage locker is one term, but it really doesn't store anything. All it knows is what you bought, what bought or had, and it pulls from its and it servers. pulls from the iTunes servers. Really, if you if you really look at the semantics behind storage, and in fact, there is no language anywhere on iCloud's website that says syncing with the cloud. It's being right. pushed. So whatever was in the cloud is being pushed to your device. But you can download way, it natively on the device. To the lay user, they're getting their content, they can see where it's all at. And they're exactly. okay with it. And I so, think that's all people care about. So, but I wanted to point out that just because there's all this pushing and all this native sort of availability of your devices, if you have an Apple ID, it doesn't mean streaming is going to happen. And I don't know why people even want streaming to happen. I mean, today somebody posted on my Google Plus stream that... I was trying to listen to Spotify, and I think it's a great idea, but then I can't stand it when I lose my 3G connection. It becomes unusable completely. You can't depend on that. That's why iCloud makes sense, and that's why Apple will not go in that direction. Yeah, I, I've And that's why they have apps to take care of that for them. We keep seeing rumor after rumor, and I've seen this for upwards of three or four years of Apple going to a streaming service, and I would agree with you on this one. I, it's not going to happen. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't ever count out Apple for doing I, things that yeah. are left field. But, but I feel like this is so against what they do. Well, I mean, what they do is they provide the development platform. And they're saying, okay, we're going to do what we can to make sure you get the content that you want. In the best way possible. In the best way possible. So if we're not a streaming company, Netflix is, we'll put it on Apple TV. If we don't do TV shows, hey, you guys should write apps. You know, it won't be long until there's a springboard on Apple TV that looks like the launch pad on the iPad and the new Lion. I mean, we know it runs iOS, so... It is running a flavor of iOS. A full flavor, and when you jailbreak it, you can install apps, you can install anything else, so... Have you jailbroken your I have. I just recently did. So, and what are the apps like? What have we got out there right Uh, now? The thing I love being able to use is local streaming. I can now connect to my time capsule unit and grab content that's on my time capsule unit. Right. And uh, so, I mean, that to me was the most handy thing, and I'm surprised they still haven't done that yet, period. Yeah, well, I mean, that's because there's still storage on the actual device. Yeah, 8 right? gigabytes of flash storage. Only but 8 I, gigabytes. It's only 8 gigabytes, yeah, uh-huh. whereas my time capsule is a whole terabyte. So, so if you wanted to watch a TV store show today with the new Apple TV and you didn't jailbreak your right. device, you would... Go on there and find your TV show, and based on your Apple ID, it knows what you bought. It knows, yeah, what I've purchased. So then you purchase the show, and it puts it temporarily on your until Apple you TV. watch it, and then it'll take it back off. It will take it off, right? If I you see. the way it worked until just recently, like the past two days when they've announced this, is you could only rent things from the Apple TV. There was no purchasing involved, period, other than renting. Yeah. So you could only rent, and then it would it would sing, it would download it locally until you were done watching it, and then it would delete it. So, in conclusion, though, I just there's no point in having a streaming ability. I think local streaming, though, this and by the way, they do have home sharing, so I feel like they could just extend that. That's what. That's why I think it's or like the AirDrop functionality. I feel like that is. I'm still hopeful. Well, they got AirPlay, of course. Yeah. So 
it seems to make sense. But, oh, so how does AirPlay work if I've got my iPad and I start playing whatever I'm playing and then I AirPlay it to Apple TV? Is Apple TV going to download it or is it playing? It just plays it. It syncs it over or it does it over the air. like it, With your iPad. With my iPad, yeah. But so it's, then, still, it's just doing it over like the wireless network connection. From my iPad. Right. So yeah. it's basically using my iPad as a cloud drive. Right. Yeah. Stream you can start. You there. can start using something else on your iPad. It's not mirroring it, but it's using the iPad as the storage. Wow. Yeah. It's it's actually really cool. That's I've done it numerous times. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're not seeing a. You're not thinking though an Apple an Apple TV either. Like. No. Uh, no. 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 Because I, 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 I've not bought that argument either. I mean, sometimes Steve will say something at a keynote, and he'll say something like. Oh, we're not looking into that yet. We're not thinking about that yet. And it turns out they are. But I think, especially at the D8 conference that he showed up to and said, there is no go-to-market strategy right. for I mean, TVs. I found Jobs' uh, statements on the, the Apple TV period to be interesting. Right. Comical. They've always considered it a hobby. Yeah. So if it's going to be a hobby, why would they start developing a streaming protocol and all of this nonsense when everyone's doing the work for them with apps? Exactly. Right. So, well, that was Weekly Download episode number seven. Thanks very much for listening to our show. Sorry We've gotten to some, a little early. Yeah. We had to do it a little bit early, but hey, that means a day early for all you people who have been waiting. Yeah. So I hope you guys like it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, on iTunes, we are we post this will be our seventh episode there, and we've gotten some great feedback, and we hope to continue to see some more. So until next week, we'll see you then. Thanks.